Today's podcast airs on Black Friday, when millions of shoppers flock to malls to begin and finish holiday shopping. This scene stands in stark contrast to those witnessed by fifth grade teacher Janelle Ray this summer. Between meeting with Sudanese refugee students and teachers and observing families living and working in cities built of garbage, Janelle witnessed joy and gratitude for the little things including the school supplies she delivered from her own students at Great Neck Elementary School in Waterford, Connecticut. Welcome to Fund for Teachers, the podcast. I'm Carrie Caton, and the goal of each episode is to elevate teachers as the inspiring architects of their careers, classrooms, and school communities. Today, we're learning from Janelle Ray, a Fund for Teachers fellow who used her grant to experience in Egypt the locations in which two books in the fifth grade curriculum are set to support student learning and to make global connections through the Global Read Aloud program. Janelle holds an undergraduate degree in education and a master's degree in special education from Bridgewater State University. She just completed a second master's degree in educational technology from Eastern Connecticut State University. Her first motivation to teach, however, came from her mother, who continues to teach elementary school in nearby Rhode Island. Our conversation covered her motivation for guiding students to be empathic global citizens, how her fellowship is facilitating that, and her advice for our future Fund for Teachers fellows working on their proposals. I like to start these conversations the same with each of our fellows, and that is with the same question, which is, why did you become a teacher? Yeah, so to be honest with you, I can't remember a time when I wasn't wanting to be a teacher. Um, My mom is a teacher, and so I just grew up going into her classroom, helping her set up, running to go make coffees. Um, Now, not so much, but back then, that's what I wanted to do. Um, And just like with my friends, playing school, making my brother be the student and giving him lessons and um, assigning him homework that was never done and I just, I can't imagine doing anything else. I have never seen myself doing anything else. So it's been quite a journey for sure. So what did that look like professionally? Did you major in education at undergrad or? I did, yes. So I went to Bridgewater State University in Massachusetts and I did their five-year master program. Um, So I um, had an undergraduate degree in elementary education and then a master's degree in special education. Um, And then I taught for a few years and I actually just finished the summer, my second master's in educational technology from Eastern Connecticut State University. How long have you been teaching then? This is my seventh year teaching. Reading in your proposal, you said that 26% of your students receive special education services. Yeah, we have a higher number the year that I submitted the proposal, as well as this year, we have a higher number of students with special education needs. Um, And I think that just helps make the classroom more diverse and a learning experience for everyone. And um, each student develops in their own way. And I think it's special that they all get to watch each other, see their successes within the classroom. And literacy also plays a big role in that you talk about a global read aloud program that I'd never heard of before. And that seemed to be a linchpin in what informed your fellowship. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So when I taught in Massachusetts for two years before moving to Connecticut, I was a co-teacher. So I was a special education teacher in a room with the general education teacher. So we taught together all day. We were in the same classroom 
all day, every day with the same kids. And we worked so well together. And she introduced me to this program, the Global Read Aloud, where at the beginning of every year, usually around end of September, October, we read the same book and then it's read across the country and across the world. So you get to connect with different grades and different classrooms around the world. And you're all, the idea is that you're reading this book all at the same time. And it's really special to share those experiences. We've used uh, Skype, we've used now Zoom, we've used um, Google Docs. And so the kids are able to connect with kids that they may never have had the chance to connect before. And the year that I did it with her, we read the book A Long Walk to Water by Linda Sue Park. And I just connected with this book. It was an amazing novel. And ever since then, I've read it every year. And when I got to teaching in Connecticut, we do another novel called Home of the Brave. It's just such a great connection. They pair so well together that I couldn't not read both of the novels. So every year I read both novels to the classes and they truly enjoy each novel and they are always asking for more. Which is saying a lot because the the themes of those books are not light themes. They're not, no. And I felt like this opportunity that I had in going to Egypt, which in a way ended up working out in its own sense. Uh, That wasn't my original plan, but COVID hit and plans changed. And to be honest, I think it worked out exactly how it was supposed to. And now I'm able to even educate the students more than I already had from my own experiences by building their background knowledge, sharing what I experienced, sharing what others experienced, and to help build their sense of community with these novels. So before we get to the fellowship, which was so rich, and I I agree, originally you were planning to go to South Africa and with COVID and then it was deferred and then you ended up going to to Egypt. The themes of the book, especially it seems like one of them is about the flight of refugees from Sudan. Yes. When did you get to a point where you heard about Fun for Teachers and you thought about these books and there there was a nexus there and you thought, I can do something with this? Yeah. Um, The company that I ended up traveling with using the funds um, is called BPT Ed Adventures, and it's Building a Better Tomorrow Ed Adventures. And the owner, Kenny George, is an incredible human being. And he came up with this idea where teachers come together that have a passion of teaching and a passion for travel and have ultimately the best professional development you can have. We all know that talking with teachers is the best thing to get ideas and to grow and to build your relationships. And that's essentially what you do for two whole weeks. You are together and you're visiting other schools, learning about different cultures and bringing it back to your community and helping in any way you can and building those experiences for yourself and your students. So I saw that on Instagram through just social media. And then I heard about Fun for Teachers. And then I asked myself, how can I make this work to build my experiences with the novels that these students are reading? And that's how that idea came together. Then let's just jump right into to what you did on your fellowship. You designed your fellowship to have some synergy between these two books that you uh, you read with your students, Home of the Brave by Catherine Applegate and A Long Walk to Water by Linda Sue Park. And so you went with this, um, this organization 
With how many other teachers did you travel? There was a larger group of us. There was probably about 20 on the trip. Um, we had two group leaders. Um, Kenny George, the owner, joined us as well as his son. And then we had two Egyptians who run a company called Egypt Unlimited Tours that were basically in charge of taking us around, enlightening us with the wonderful information that Egypt has to offer. And I felt like a student every day where they were giving me so much information that my brain was in overload and couldn't go to sleep at night because I was just rethinking everything. We had an amazing time and just the professional development that you you can't put a price on. So that's something interesting because even just the name of the, the organization with which you went, the, the travel, and then you talked about your, your tour guides, those, just those words tend to make one think of of, oh, this was just a trip and we got to see Egypt and it was, you know, it, it was exciting and interesting. I learned a lot, but that is not what Thumber Teachers Fellowships are about. And it is not what your fellowship was about. No, not at all. <laughs> and so I really wanted you to, to, to touch on the things that you did because it was all professional development, mm-hmm. just in an incredibly unique setting. So tell us kind of what, what you did. So there was a lot of pre-planning before the trip. And I have to say, um, I wanted the students to experience what I was experiencing myself, almost taking them along on the trip with me. And so because I've read this, not both of these novels for so long, um, I essentially reached out to all my previous families and said, I'm going on this great experience. I would love the students to follow with me. And I created an Instagram and YouTube. And so the students were able to follow the adventures that I took with them with me. So I reached out to all the families that I've had in the past years, four or five years worth of families, and they were able to be on the journey with me. I had the students submit questions. And so on the Instagram and YouTube, I would answer their questions or misconceptions or things that they wanted to know got to share these great experiences alongside with them, essentially. And there was also another novel that came out that we learned about called uh, Where the Stars Are Scattered. And it's a graphic novel. And it also talks about refugees. And my students just formed their own book clubs before I left in the summer to go on this trip, which as a teacher, you can only imagine is so amazing to see your own students build these book clubs on their own and begging to read every day just to keep wanting more and more to experience it. So I took all of this with me and we went to the schools in Egypt and we were able to build those experiences with the teachers in Egypt and the students in Egypt. And one school we went to was the refugee school that I've talked about. And I've learned so much from them. The the impact that they had. We collected donations. My students were involved in the donations as well. So I took a whole suitcase abroad of their donations to give to the students in need at the school. And the donations that we gave to them, they said would last them two years, which is truly incredible. Just markers, colored pencils, rulers, just regular pencils, notebooks, papers, things that I take for granted every day in the classroom, unfortunately, and that are available to us at all times. And we don't have to worry about where that comes from. And I think my students were able to recognize that when they were 
collecting these items for me to bring over. Janelle, in your post-fellowship reporting, you um, set the kind of described the setting when you walked into one classroom at, on the fifth floor of a building that it was oppressively hot and that yeah. students were seated three to a desk mm-hmm. with a half sheet of paper each and Sharpies. Yes, that was what they were writing with, Sharpies and a half sheet of paper. Absolutely. And I will never forget that moment when I walked into that classroom and specifically the fifth grade teacher was at the whiteboard teaching something that I had taught my students, which is a great connection to say that that we're all learning the same thing around the world. And she was using the whiteboard marker till the last drop. And she was asking the students in the back of the classroom if they could still see what she was writing on the board because she didn't know where the next whiteboard marker would come from. And so she was just continuously using it until she probably couldn't use it anymore. And that truly stuck with me because as a teacher, we probably would have tossed that so much sooner and just grabbed a new one. And for her, that might be the last one for a couple of weeks, couple of days maybe even a couple months. You also had uh, some experiences teaching math to some of, to, to some students. And I'm curious if you were able to hear from them about their experiences as refugees. So the students didn't necessarily talk as much about their, their experiences. And even the some of the teachers, it still hits home for them. And it's a, it's a hard topic to talk about. But the teachers that we did talk to, they said it's a really difficult decision to make because they essentially left their families and homes in Sudan and came to Egypt looking for a better life. And they left knowing that they may never be able to go back again. And so even coming to Egypt, there's still their own struggles that they have here, but they're saying this is so much better than where they came from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you wrote in your proposal that the goals of the fellowship are to gain a better understanding of the culture and to support student learning, to make global connections with teachers and students. And I tried to count how many times you use the phrase global citizens and use the word empathy in your proposal. And I lost track. (laughs) Yes. Tell me kind of what fuels that that motivation for you to make global citizenship and empathy so intrinsic in what you teach and what you instill in your students. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. I think when reading these novels, sometimes the students aren't able to relate or they're not understanding or they're not able to connect with the novel in a way that we want them to. Um, Sure, they can figure out the theme and the character traits, but is that all that we really want them to gain from these reading these novels that have so much more to offer? And I think as citizens in such a town and then the state and then the country, there's just so much more as well. And building the empathy of other people, other situations, things that we haven't gone through, can we imagine what it is like to walk in the character shoes in these novels and just building the compassion for others. And I think that starts in our own classroom and then having the students have these experiences to offer them and then they can take these experiences well beyond the classroom for years to come. And 
again, just building the idea that even though we're one person, we can make all the difference and we can start in our community, but it can also expand globally and just being aware of the difference that we can make to become global citizens and to make an impact um, on so many people around the world. We always encourage teachers to go where the learning takes them. Um, You did such a, a, a thorough job of mapping out what your plans were. Your plan did not include your van breaking down in Garbage City. It did not, no. (laughs) Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So Garbage City is a part of Cairo that is exactly how it sounds. Um, The streets are filled with garbage and the homes lining the street are filled with garbage. Where you walked, it was full of garbage. And yet the way that it seems is not how it is. The people there are so loving and so caring and so proud of their jobs that this is such an honorable job for them to have. And they're earning an income and they're, this is what their job is. And as they like to put it, this is their calling from God. And so the men will go out and collect the garbage in Cairo City and the women and children will separate it into recyclables. And they, they are so proud because they can recycle 80 to 90% of what they collect, which is more than most of us can even say. It's incredible what they can do. And they use these items and they make these incredible things out of it and they can sell that as well and just continue to recycle and reuse, which is a great example for the rest of us. Um, and in that city, there is a school called the Center of Love. And this school is a school for children that have special needs. And so it gives these students a place to go to feel loved and to be accepted for who they are and to learn life skills and to um, just build their experiences. And their energy is so contagious and their laughter is so contagious. And this is really, truly a bright spot in this community. I'm curious what your what your students, how they responded when they heard about Garbage City. I think they responded how most of us respond, where it's the, oh, how gross, that's disgusting, I can't imagine, what do you mean there's so much garbage? And we have garbage men and women here that collect the garbage, and then many of us don't know where it goes or see where what happens to it. And this is where these people live, and this is their job, and this is their community. And so, but I think after the students realize that this is, they're proud of who they are, their jobs, and their, um, and that this is who they are, and they're accepting of it. And it's actually very honorable that they do these things. And I think the kids were putting themselves in the shoes of the other individuals, and they were able to really open their eyes and become more knowledgeable about not everyone has the same experiences we do and how can we understand, but also accept at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Adults need to learn that too. <laughs> yes. We all need to continue to work on that. Absolutely. So sure. tell me a little bit more about what you returned back from, turned home from Egypt back to Connecticut. And um, how is this? It, it's, you've just been in school for 
three months, probably three of the hardest months you've ever had. And, but I sense that you are already applying some of the things that you've learned Mm -hmm. with your fifth graders. Absolutely. So we just finished the novel Home of the Brave. And I've already told the students we're going to read the next one next month. And so they're already exciting, begging me to start it as soon as I can. I said, listen, we got to decompress from this one. We've got a few things to do, but I promise I'll read it to you. Um, That'll be a long walk to water. And so, but until that time, the students had the drive and the motivation to ask, what can we do to help? And our school um, doesn't have a recycling program. And so in our classroom this year, we just noticed that we have a lot of plastic water bottles. And so what can we do with these instead of putting them in the trash? And so just on their own in our classroom, we started making a collection of water bottles. And in Connecticut, you can return plastic water bottles for five cents, the return back. And so then the students were wondering what to do with the money. And I said, well, how can we connect this to what we've been reading? And they came up with the idea to donate the money that we raised to um, the school, the Sudanese refugee school in Egypt. And then it became bigger and even bigger <laughs> them saying, okay, how can we uh, make this into a bigger project? How can we raise more money? And so they're reaching out to their families. We're doing it school wide. And so it's becoming this classroom project that has so many more layers than I ever expected it to be. And this, it all started from student motivation and wanting to make a difference. And again, having that empathy and compassion um, for the characters that they read in their novels, but now also connecting it to experiences that I've had and the connections that I'm able to make globally that we can continue to help others. Um, and then I always do a project after reading A Long Walk to Water where they have recyclable materials that they have to clean dirty water with. And it's always so interesting to see how these students are able to use this STEM activity to create filtered water. Um, And for them to even imagine people drinking dirty water is just their faces when you tell them this is, it's priceless. You can't even put a dollar on it because they don't realize that people actually do drink dirty water around the world and that it is a problem. You can't just go over to the sink and expect clean water to come out and that they do have to walk miles and hours a day to go get clean water. And um, it's, it's just a great experience to be able to connect everything together. Mm -hmm. I know that you told your, your students that you will be going former students. And I'm assuming that, did, did you know that these students would be yours in the fall? Like, did they, did these children know that you would be going to Egypt or did this did you just come back and say, this is what, what I did this summer kind of thing? Yeah, they didn't know that I was going to Egypt. Some may have heard from friends or from siblings, um, but the majority of them had no idea. And we've gone into so many class discussions about what is Egypt like or what are the schools like? And is it all desert? Can you see the pyramids from anywhere you stand? <laughs> and So just helping the students understand and answer their questions and any misconceptions that they may have just and continuing that curiosity of what are different cultures like and how can I experience this beyond the classroom Um, using Google Maps and seeing the different locations and using technology to enhance these experiences that 
they may never get another opportunity to do and building those experiences for them. Mm-hmm. Our theme for this year is curiosity launches learning. Mm. And it, in your proposal, it really resonated with when you said curiosity builds global leaders. You wrote by continuing to draw curiosity out of my students. My hope is that students will ask the biggest and most impactful question. How can I help? Mm-hmm. And it gives me chills because you wrote that over two years ago. And here they are asking that very question. And not just of themselves either. It's of them, of their family, of their school, of their community. Inspiring. Kids are the best inspiration and they're capable of so much. And that's our job to help build their knowledge and to build those experiences for them in order to have them bring their knowledge and experience and curiosity beyond the classroom. Yeah. What does your mother think of all this? Your your role (laughs) model is your teacher. And now she sends her daughter off to Egypt during a pandemic. That had to be a a big ask. Yeah. She was a little worried, but she's very proud. And I think she's loving seeing me become a teacher and the passion that I have for it. Yeah. It's it's palpable. And uh, like I say, so inspiring. You wrote um, also in your post-fellowship reporting that this experience put my career into a perspective I wouldn't know otherwise. What did you mean by that? I think as an individual, we often get stuck in the routine of our day. And I feel that sometimes we get so caught up in our lives and what we need to do every day. And as teachers, especially, we're stuck in a schedule and it's okay to break that. And it's okay to try something that you've never done before. Um, When I tell people that I've gone to Egypt or that I've worked with refugee students, the jaws drop and breaking those boundaries for me professionally and personally is just an experience that I never want to give up. I want to always challenge myself. And I want to share that with the students that when you think something can't be done, try, do it anyway and see how far you can get. And it might be beyond your wildest dreams and just to never give up on yourself or anybody else. What advice would you give to teachers who might be listening to this as they're doing their research for their proposals or writing on the weekends or late at night after they've finished their schoolwork and then work for themselves in their home? I would say it's worth it. Um, And just speak from the heart. And you know yourself best, you know your students, you know what you need and how you can inspire others. And that's the best part of it is that you get to create your own journey through this great fund and something that you may have thought isn't possible. It actually is now. And Fund for Teachers is a great way to achieve goals that maybe seem challenging and they could be challenging, but they won't stand in your way. We look forward to using this podcast to elevate more teachers as the inspiring architects of their careers, classrooms, and school communities. But you can learn from 9,000 Fun for Teachers fellows now by visiting fundforteachers.org slash blog, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you want to reach an engaged audience of educators, share your event or product in this podcast by becoming a sponsor. Connect with listeners as they tune in to be inspired by the groundbreaking work our fellows are accomplishing individually and in the classroom.
Contact info at funforteachers.org for more information. And finally, thank you to Fun for Teachers fellow Janelle Ray for talking to us today about her fellowship, her students' desire to help others, and her advice for teachers applying for a 2022 Fund for Teachers grant. The books Janelle referenced during our visit are A Long Walk to Water by Linda Sue Park, Home of the Brave by Katherine Applegate, and When Stars Are Scattered by Victoria Jamison and Omar Muhammad. Don't forget that our 2022 grant applications are due by January the 25th. Learn more at funforteachers.org. I'm Carrie Caton. Thank you for joining us today at Fun for Teachers, the podcast. Until next time, keep learning.